Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Listen, even while you're in the shape that you're in, God's love for you is so great that Christ has already died for you. You don't need to go take a shower before you take a bath. You don't need to get your life straightened out before you come to Christ. Come to Him now, just as you are. Man needs to understand, though, that that gift of life, it doesn't come just automatically. Oh, well, Christ died to save sinners. I'm a sinner. That means I must be saved. I meet the requirements. No, there is a response that needs to come. We need to respond to that offer of life. To have Jesus as your Savior, you only need to acknowledge Him and invite Him into your heart. You don't have to make things right or try to become a better person. You only need to say yes to Jesus. Pastor David teaches you today that salvation does not come through deeds or law, but instead comes through acceptance of the Savior. If you've been holding back from the Lord due to a fear that you're not good enough, know that Jesus gave his life so that you don't have to. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Romans chapter 22 as he begins his message, Living the Life of Christ. This is the study of going through the Bible in a year, more or less, okay? A year, more or less. We passed a year mark, uh, actually, the end of April. So now we are in May, and we are still trying to get through the Bible. Therefore, it is not an in-depth study, and you need to understand that because as we, we made it through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in one week. So guess what? That was not an in-depth study, but hopefully you got something good and profitable out of it as we looked at those books. We made it through the book of Acts in one week. Absolutely amazing that we could actually do that, only by the grace of God. And now we are going to look at Romans in 55 minutes or less, okay? The book of Romans, where people have written volumes and volumes. The book of Romans that you could study for years and years and years and not glean every nugget out of it. As a matter of fact, uh, years ago, uh, gosh, I forget how many years ago when we went through Romans. It was uh, quite a while that we went through Romans, digging all these out. But tonight is an overview of looking at this book as we're trying to cover all of the books within this set period of time. Now, as we left the Gospels, as we made it through the history book of the book of Acts, now moving into the area of the New Testament that's known as the letters. Uh, Following the letters, there is that book of prophecy, the book of Revelation. Well, right here at the very beginning of the book of letters is the book of Romans that that Paul has written. Now, we look at this and we, we understand that here in the book of letters, the greatest amount in all, all of the book of the letters, the greatest amount of writing that we have there 
actually comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul. Um, Well, actually, more precisely, the pen of Paul's assistant or secretary, because it's pretty well understood that Paul dictated most all of his letters, and there was an assistant or a secretary that then wrote those things down, most likely due to uh, bad eyesight for the Apostle Paul. Now, we'll see more of that as we get into more of the letters, but even right here in Romans, we actually do see that. Uh, Hopefully, you're in the book of Romans right now. Uh, Turn over to the last chapter, chapter 16. We're going to go backwards through the book of Romans. Just uh, No, no. We're just going to look at this real quick. Uh, In chapter 16, verse 22, verse 22, chapter 16 in the book of Romans, this is just the note from uh, one of Paul's assistants, one of his secretaries. As Paul gives the greetings uh, and all uh, there at the close of the book, suddenly his secretary inserts this little piece there in verse 22. I, Tertius, who wrote this apostle, greet you in the Lord. Well, we know it's the apostle Paul's words, but he's the one that actually penned it for the Apostle Paul. In all, Paul wrote 13 books in our New Testament. Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and then don't forget Philemon. Now, there's many that believe that the book of Hebrews was also written by the Apostle Paul. We're not going to arm wrestle that at all tonight. We'll look at that when we get to the book of Hebrews. But again, uh, there's a lot in Hebrews that sounds a lot like Paul. Well, but even with that amount of writing, the, the ones that he, we know for certain that he did write, um, Paul actually is second in volume as far as what's written in the New Testament. Uh, You're my Wednesday night crowd. Who do you think wrote the most in the New Testament? Somebody said John. Somebody said Luke. Anybody else? It was Luke. And the Gospel of Luke plus the book of Acts. There are actually more verses in the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts than in all of Paul's writings. By how much? only by about 100 or so verses. So it's a, it's a close second that we see there. Anyway, back to Paul. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, written here during the time of the, the church there in Rome, written around 56 to 57 A.D., so we're only talking, uh, you know, 23, 24, 25 years after the crucifixion of Christ. The book itself is placed in your Bibles as the first of all the letters and the first of the writings of the Apostle Paul, not because it was the first one that he wrote, but because of its size and because of the depth of its uh, uh, doctrine and its uh, theological uh, uh, writings within it. Uh, Again, of all the books we have available in the New Testament, the book of Romans stands head and shoulders above, I believe, every other book in terms of the amount of doctrinal truths that we find within it. And it's actually the, the sum of all of Paul's writings What we have in the church today from what Paul wrote actually gives us most of our understanding of the Christian faith, uh, the place and purpose of the church, 
our core doctrinal beliefs, and even our eschatology, that teaching of last day events. Although Paul was known as the apostle to the Gentiles, he actually quotes the Old Testament in the book of Romans more than any of his other letters all combined. Paul had not been to Rome prior to writing this letter to the church. As a matter of fact, it was a couple of years prior to penning this letter that the emperor Claudius Caesar had actually dispelled and and, and ejected all of the Jews out of Rome. And that was around uh, 53, 54 AD at that time period. So we, we're, we're not certain how the church began in Rome, but very possibly when we read there in the second chapter of Acts, which is where we will be this coming Sunday morning, there in the second chapter of Acts, we read that there in Jerusalem during the day of Pentecost were visitors from Rome. And of all of those that got saved on that day after Peter's uh, sermon, his proclamation, his message, some of those were most likely from Rome, and that was the beginning of the church there in Rome. Many believe that the depth and the coverage of so many of the uh, theological truths, these doctrinal statements that Paul makes is because here in Rome were, again, that, that brand new church that Paul had never been to. It was also, uh, they were converted Gentiles. They didn't have the, the depth of the Old Testament Testament teachings. And so that's why when we look at what Paul writes here, there's just so much there. Uh, Him speaking about the greatness of of God's sovereignty, his covenantal relationship. He takes three chapters out of these 16 just to explain the Israel's situation. So you've got a bunch of Gentiles that really don't understand what's going on with Israel. Paul takes three chapters in Romans to kind of explain, hey, they've had all this, they've failed, but God's not given up on them yet. If you were stranded on a desert island with no other source of communication or any kind of media to pull from, uh, it, it would be the book of Romans that would give you the closest understanding of salvation, of the sovereignty of God, of judgment, of our own spiritual growth, and the very righteousness of God. All of that we find within the book of Romans. For the apostle, The gospel message was the most important issue of all of life, to be able to spread uh, the, the, the message of the gospel wherever and however he could do that. Despite all of the conflict, despite all of the persecution, all of the trials that the apostle Paul went through, he continued throughout his ministry this declaration of life, and it seemed to stem from the words that we find. Go back to chapter one. We're actually gonna start in chapter one. It comes from these words in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Again, considering the fact that his primary audience at that time were Gentile converts to Christianity. It's a great message that he's speaking here. Yes, to the Jews first, but it's also to the Greeks. 
And even for those Jews that had been converted to Christianity, many of those had become Judaizers. And as they spoke to Gentiles, they said, well, you know, what you need to do is you need to become a Jew first in order to become a good Christian. And Paul says, no, the just shall live by faith. And we see that through the book of Romans as he makes this as clear as he possibly can. From the very beginning of the book of Romans, we understand that God has revealed himself to all of creation from the very beginning. And that man, I don't care who they are, they are without excuse. And oh, we hear the the questions all the time. Oh, what about the aborigines out in the wild of uh, of Australia? What about those in deepest, darkest Africa? God has revealed himself through his creation. Look here in chapter one, begin down in verse 18. You see, I don't have to answer for this. God's word has answered for it. For the Romans one, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. The hope and the message of the gospel is laid out in in, in a variety of verses and passages, uh, all of them found here within the, the pages of the book of Romans. We see it clearly, uh, uh, someone years ago pulled together what's called the Romans Road to Salvation. Remember a few months ago, we had those bookmarks and we worked on learning that Romans Road ourselves so that we would be able to have it at our own disposal. Again, that that group of verses, they're found here in the book of Romans. It's a short, but it's a clear understanding of the gospel message. In essence, what Paul says here in that Romans Road grouping of verses is that mankind has rejected the revelation of God. And we come to fully understand Paul's statement then where he says in verse 23 of chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One of the other verses on the Romans road is chapter 6, verse 23. And from there we come to see, we understand that we are sinners and that the wages of our sin is death. And that death is an eternal spiritual death. That Again, because of sin. Now that's in the first part of verse 23. We find there in the midst of our condemnation, yet that God's love is, is shining through. It's, it's breaking through even our own condemnation because he's offered us who are dead in our sin and our trespasses. He's offered us life through the gift of his son. Look what it says in the second part of verse 23 of chapter six. He says, for the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, we were dead because of sin. 
We become alive, not by the works that we do, but by the free gift of the mercy and the grace of God. This is available, not because I'm worth it. (laughs) Absolutely not. Not because you deserve it. No, absolutely not. I looked around tonight while you guys were visiting. I looked around and, and I checked in. None of you deserve it, okay? None of us deserve it. It's God's love. That's what worked it through. Even while we were still sinners. Look over in chapter five, beginning in verse eight. Oh, the promise, the the strength of these promises are awesome. In chapter five, verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still stinking sinners, that's what my verse says. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Beloved, what an awesome gift that is. What an awesome promise that is. And if you know that gift, if you know that promise, our responsibility is to be able to share that promise with others because a lost world needs to hear that truth. Listen, even while you're in the shape that you're in, God's love for you is so great that Christ has already died for you. You don't need to go take a shower before you take a bath. You don't need to get your life straightened up before you come to Christ. Come to him now, just as you are. Man needs to understand, though, that that gift of life, it doesn't come just automatically. Oh, well, Christ died to save sinners. I'm a sinner. That means I must be saved. I meet the requirements. No, there is a response that needs to come. We need to respond to that offer of life. Look over in chapter 10. Run over to chapter 10. Very familiar verse here, chapter 10, beginning in verse 9. Paul writes that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then in verse 12, again, this assurance to these Gentiles that he's speaking to, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a great promise that becomes. There's no line, there's no limit. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In and through the salvation that God has offered to us by his grace and thus received through faith, we who were once separated from God and at war with God, we are now at peace with God and the assurance of his love for us, beloved, will never fail. His love never fails. His love never fails. I want to make sure you're with me tonight. So repeat that with me if you would. His love never fails. Now say it like you mean it. 
His love never fails. Tell it to your neighbor because they're not sure if it does or not. His love never fails. How many of you, just in the honesty of our, maybe I don't want to see hands, I don't know. I'll throw my hand up. You've gotten to points in your life where you wonder, I pushed his love a little too far. I've run out of that love. Beloved, his love never fails. And that's the assurance that is ours in Christ. It's not my strength. It's not my ability. It's the greatness of his love. And his love never fails. Now look back in chapter 5. Just some other words of encouragement here that we find. Chapter 5, right there in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of of God. Go to your right a couple of more pages to chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Look down in verse 38, chapter 8, verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me ask you tonight real quick. Are you holding on to God or is God holding on to you? A lot of people, they totally misunderstand what the word says. It's him that has a hold of you and I. That's what Jesus says. You are in my hand. My hand is in the Father's hand. And beloved, that's where we stand. That's where we find our strength. That's where we find our peace. That's where we find our hope. If my hope is in how hard I can hold on to Christ or how hard I can hold on to God, I'm going to tell you, I'm in trouble, and so are you. Because none of us can hold on that hard for that long. But because of his greatness, he's the one that holds. Romans, a great message of hope and peace that's offered to mankind through that gift of salvation. Paul makes it really clear here in the book of Romans, as well as in in many of his other writings. Again, that God's offer is a gift of grace. And it's not the outward workings of man. It's not by our abilities. It's not by our strengths. As we look at this book as a whole, the book of Romans as a whole, we're going to find out it's divided up fairly easily into three different sections. First of all, you have chapters 1 through 8. Then the next section is 9 through 11. The final section is chapters 12 through 16. Looking at chapters 1 through 8 here. Here we find uh, really a clear declaration of man's spiritual condition. And it ain't good, folks. 
by, without Christ, our spiritual condition is, again, we are lost in our sin. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.